This is Dr. Chris Ferris, registered acupuncturist, and welcome to FimiaCast, the official podcast for the Faresian Institute of Modern Integrated Acupuncture. If you are an acupuncturist or a practitioner with an interest in acupuncture, then make sure you go to fimia.com.au and sign up for free to get notifications on our latest courses and resources. On this episode, I'm speaking with Trent Dolman, acupuncturist, tweener practitioner, kettlebell coach, gym owner, and all-round entrepreneur. From humble beginnings as a teenager working on weekends in his dad's bakery, to owning and running three of his own and managing no less than 60 staff members by the age of 26, Trent's life took an unexpected turn that eventually led him down a path of helping others through acupuncture and fitness training. Although only recently graduated, it seems that Trent's journey is far from over as he sets his eyes on further study. With a hunger for knowledge of the human body, he seeks to continually better himself in order to provide the best care for his patients. Join me now as Trent shares some of his experiences as both acupuncture practitioner and student, as well as his perspective on some contemporary TCM topics. Welcome on, oh, before we start, doctor, mister? Just Trent. Just Trent? Trent's good. All right, cool. Mm. All right, Trent, welcome along. Thank you for coming on for the second episode of FimiaCast. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. It's good to have you along. How's uh, how's treating going since you've uh, graduated just recently? It's going really good. It's um, You get to dive a little bit deeper mm. because now I'm a registered acupuncturist and before I was just a... TCM remedial massage therapist. So it's it's really good. You get to explore more and understand more what you want to do. So yeah, yeah it's sure. going well. So uh, before you graduated, you're already uh, massaging as a form of treatment, mm-hmm. and you were doing that in your gym that you have slash clinic. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So um, second year of uni, if I jump back too far, second year of uni, I decided I wanted because I learned by doing yeah. Mm-hmm. So I decided I'll study another full time thing of course yeah of course yeah you know it's not enough yeah and uh i went and did my diploma in tcm sure yeah so um i started off just traveling around doing that and yep. then we jumped over to the the clinic and then jumped over the clinic in the gym so. so how long have you had the uh gym for so the gym since february last year yeah uh prior to that we had uh like a clinic near a indoor sports center okay and um i was there for about a year so I met a girl at uni. Mm. It's not a romance story. Mm-hmm. Um, and the LinkedIn, someone contacted me and offered me this space. And I was mm. like, not interested, but I'll pass it on. And I went down with this girl and had a look. And I was like, mm, interested. It's like 200 square meters, 200 bucks a week. Can't go wrong. So I uh, started off there and then um, decided I wanted a space that's my own. So that's when I uh, jumped on board with my best mate. And we got a PT studio and a little clinic and a little meditation space and an area to play command and conquer upstairs it's fantastic excellent the uh, the important part that's right so uh you, you're a pt as well um yeah so i'm uh i like to be called kettlebell instructor because mm-hmm. that's what i like to do so um i've done my cert three in fitness and which i did my second year of uni as well and i've uh qualified um strong first which is a specific system of like um hard style russian kettlebells um Pavel sort of does it. It used to be RKC and I do that. So yeah, it helps me understand the body more by interacting. It's always sort of been a part of me exercise. So okay. natural progression. And with the strong first, what uh, what is that? Uh, what is unique about it? What's the specific style as I, opposed to just... So it took me nine months of training weekly to sit and pass my certification. Um, the certification goes for three days. And your hamstrings are sore by lunchtime on the first day from the amount of swings you do. Okay. Um, I think we had 18 people in the course we did. Six passed. I was one of them. So the difference is that it's not a you rock up and you get your certificate sort of course. Like yeah. you, you have to earn it. And it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done because usually you can find a shortcut. Sure. Couldn't find a shortcut. I had to swing. So So is it more the uh, the endurance and the... Uh, the persistence of the actual practice as opposed to the techniques that you're doing in it that, no that is different so the big thing about strong first is the well the name strong first they they base on you strength first everything else will follow sure. so if you get strong you get fast you get strong you jump high all these sort of things okay um it's about getting you to be able to do the technique safely and properly that you can then endure without injury okay. so a big part of it is you do five tests 
snatch, clean, squat, press, something else. I can't remember right now. So you do those five things. If you fail more than two, you can't do the snatch test. And the snatch test is 100 snatches with a 24 kilo kettlebell in five minutes. That's almost half as much as I weigh. Mm, it, it's delightful. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it, and the idea is that you have the technique to get through that. You've conditioned your hands to get through that. So you, everything you've done has led you to be able to accomplish that task. Sure, okay. So it's a level one. So it was good fun. Enjoyed it. And now just training for a few other different Strong First certifications. Yep. So yeah. Awesome. So uh, going to jump back uh, a little further back into the past before you started to do uh, Tweenar. So what, what brought you to doing that? What, what, what was the, the journey up until that point? So my, my, like my road to acupuncture? Yeah, we'll go, mm, we'll go with that. My road. Your road. Um, so... I grew up as an army brat um, with my parents. We'll go way back. And uh, when I was about five, six, they were, everyone had a second job back then. That's what you did. And dad baked. And he decided to get his own bakery, get out of the defense force. And he got a bakery in Queensland. So we moved to Queensland when I was about five, six, turning six. And I grew up on flower bags on my weekend. So you'd go on to help dad, which would eat pizza and fall asleep. And then natural progression from finishing high school is I went on to manage one of his bakeries. And I did a cert three in business and franchising and about two years later went partners with him in a bakery so I had my first bakery before i was 20 which wow. was cool yeah didn't really enjoy it but it was fine no you, you learn a lot and you get to understand a lot there's the finance and training side and the helping people you help apprentices understand them more than a, no one because the people that do apprenticeships and baking it's their last resort because they're not usually accepted it's very rare someone wakes up and go I want to be a baker. Sure. It's, okay. a, it's a desirable career for me. Mm. So, um, yeah, I got to experience that, which was good. Um, so, I ended up at my peak. I had three bakeries. Uh, one at Newmarket, Rhino Hills, and Toomble. And things got a bit heavy. I was working a lot. I was up at midnight every night, and then I was getting home at 4 o'clock every afternoon. Uh, Coles really stepped up their bread game, which sort of put the pressure on us. So, all the Coles did a $3 million renovation, which and then moved their bakeries to the entrance. So, for me, it was... I didn't want to be in this anymore. And this is sort of like a sign it's time to go. So I sold a bakery. I closed one down. I gave one back and I moved on. Um, I moved on to a mental hospital, which is delightful. Really? Mm. They were uh, t- had positions, did they? Mm, they did in the bed. So <laughs> so um, for everything came to sort of like a pinch for me. So um, working long hours, sleeping four hours a night, uh, stress, financial stress, life stress, with a family to support, all those pressures and... I snapped, so I ended up uh, spending my longest holiday, which is still my longest holiday I've had, 30 days in a mm-hmm. private mental hospital, which was not as terrible as it sounds. Um, got to reflect, got yeah. to explore, got to jump on the old internet and figure out what I maybe wanted to do. Um, so coming back to how acupuncture led into it, when I was 17, segue back there, mm-hmm. uh, my mum made a deal with me that I can get acupuncture, the voodoo, if I go get five physio appointments. So the physio never had a chance if it worked or didn't because I still wanted my acupuncture. Sure. Okay. But, and physiotherapists are great. No trouble with them. This one just didn't work. Hmm. So I went and saw Matt Cook at Inclusive Therapy Co. Uh, he's Kelvin Groves, not there anymore. And I saw him and I got immediate pain relief, came back. So I went back, immediate pain relief, went down. And after probably about three to five treatments, it was a long time ago now, um, the pain was manageable. And you know, he basically became my guy to maintain me whenever I got an injury or sports injury. So how much it helped me and I had the desire to help, I'm like, what can I do? So it was between, I think it was a Bachelor of Paramedicine or Acupuncture. And my thing was whoever got back to me first, I was doing. Yeah, really? Yeah, and Endeavor just got back to me pretty quick. Mm-hmm. There was no wait there. So that's led me to the university. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I'll breathe now and drink a sip Yeah, coffee. yeah. Um, you know, I think it's those uh, points in our life that seem to be a, you know, what appear to be a very dark period are often usually the, the catalyst that brings us into the light and uh, um, a space of clarity to, to give us the, the right direction. Yeah, I, I think so. I said, um, I think me almost losing my life saved my life. I think that was a big pinnacle of it because if that didn't happen it probably would have been a lot worse when it did happen afterwards so um and it also allows me to be in a position to be empathetic towards people in a similar situation because i think as humans we do lack a little bit of empathy sometimes we think our own problems are the 
most important and allows us to understand if we've had these things and we've moved past them or getting past them, we can help other people. Mm. So. so were you uh, uh, that in those 30 days, were you, were you that close to the, the brink of um, well, something catastrophic? Well, well, what sent me to hospital, I, I tried to take my own life. So that that's what that's what sent me there. So I don't remember a lot of it. All I remember is calling my wife saying I need her to save my life. So she came home. Uh, my parents came, picked me up. They took me to Royal Brisbane Hospital, which I would not wish upon anyone. It is terrible. It is like in a movie where there's glass doors and nurses coming in at night time, like threatening you and things like that. So it wasn't great. Uh, but I was there for two days and Twong Private was like, like I felt like what a retirement village would be like. So I was in a room with a lovely old man, a um, few marbles short. Um, wife was delightful. She used to sneak me and bake treats, which was pretty cool. Were they from Baker's Delight? No, she, she was a South American, which my wife is as well. And she's like, oh, I'll make empanadas. And she would sneak me an empanadas, and then I'll eat yeah. them, which is like a pasty, pasty sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get three buffet meals a day. Like, it's pretty good. There's a gym there. Like... It was a good place to be to reflect. You didn't have a distraction. Of course, I had my kids and my wife, which was not easy on them, obviously. Mm. And then probably a lot of stress for everyone else. But coming out of that made everything a bit better. Yeah. You know, and that was six years ago now. So it's a while, five years, six years, something like that. And, and did you, um, so was it not that long after that that you started to go into your um, like journey of... I enrolled stuff? into Endeavour. I think a week after I got out of hospital yeah, or attempted to enroll. So yep. I think I got out August. I think I enrolled mid-August into Endeavour. I went to the open day. I think it was like November-ish. Mm. And I had no idea what I was enrolling to. I thought I was just going to put sticks in people. Yep. Mm, it was big, big eye-opener day one. Yeah. 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 Very different. <laughs> so how did, um, with your, um, you had said, um, we were chatting earlier and you told me that your initial experience of acupuncture came from, you know, Jet Li's Kiss of the Dragon and mm, that, that bracelet. Yeah, yeah. The, the bracelet. Which I and, can't find and, um, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I've looked for them too. <laughs> uh, and and the, the mystical world of the um, the traditional Chinese arts. With your perception of that and then what you found, how did that, like, were you, were you shocked? Were you, you know, not surprised that, you know, what what were your expectations? Um, I, I, th- I think I wasn't surprised since it was about... 14 years difference between that Jet Li movie and me doing acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I already lectured and requested lots of things from the guy that treated me about, I'm like, can you kill someone with acupuncture? He's like, of course you can, but it's not like the movies. It's more like you're negligent. Uh, so, uh, but the teaching environment was very different to which teacher you had. Mm-hmm. So, so that was a big thing. So, um, some very scientific base, as you know, um, and then some very spiritual, some a little bit of both, um, which made it good. It made it dynamic, but also it sent it made it a little bit confusing. So, um, but they definitely learnt very quick. It's not like Kiss of the Dragon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. So when you say the 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 two different uh, scientific and then spiritual, you mean the two different paradigms? So the the TCM model and then the Western model that we learn. At the same time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think you don't go in. I, I didn't even know that I was in a TCM foundation class, that that everyone in that class was an acupuncturist for probably about the first three weeks to ask someone, are you studying acupuncture? Because it was just so different. You know, yeah. It was such a different environment. Like what we're learning, I'm like, oh, it's just like, you know, your biology classes, everyone is just the same as a biology class. I don't tend to read a lot of the small prints. So I didn't really read the subject outline. That probably would have helped. Uh, but... Uh, it was it, it was good to get the science, but then it was also confusing to get the science at the same time as the acupuncture, because they didn't always match up, or they sometimes were a little bit contradictory. Yeah. So. And if um, how do you think that like do you think that affects a student's experience when they're going through when they're you know I mean you obviously found that it was a little bit contradictory on either side, and do you do you find that that's a kind of a common theme for a lot of students or do some of them take it better than others or I, th- I think that there was a lot of people that had um previous studies and they didn't have to do the science again so for them i think it was a lot easier to learn the tcm part so like nurses and uh 
what's the chemist people called again? Um, it's been a long day. Pharmacists. Since three o'clock, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, they didn't have to do the science again. So, for them, they just got to be a sponge for TCM. I hadn't done science for 12 years, so I had to do both. And interesting enough, I um, spoke to my psychiatrist and I'm like, hey, when people talk, it just goes through me. He's like, hmm. So I bring in all my report cards since I was in grade two. And he goes, I think you have ADHD. Hmm. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And he goes, you just go see another shrink and you get a second opinion and they'll diagnose you if it's the case which apparently at the age of 27 found out I had ADHD. So that really wow. helped with the sitting in a biology class for like three hours and listening. Yeah, so, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But there were some teachers that would bring me Play-Doh, so it was delightful. That helped. Was that Michelle? Yeah, yeah. she's a gem. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you, um, now knowing this, I mean, you always, I guess it's just having a diagnosis that helps you to uh, understand or come to grips with what you already know about yourself yeah. and gives you some uh, clarification. How did you then use that knowledge to better apply, well, not better, but to apply yourself in a way that made it easier for, for you to learn? Um, to, to be honest, I pushed things aside that I didn't feel like I needed to get through what I was doing. So one of the things that like, um, I guess my mentor Matt taught me, he goes, what your degree is, is like your ABCs, is teaching you how to read, is teaching you how to write. So don't take it all to heart. He says, take what you can take and get through it so then you can learn more. So for me, if something was too much to take and board with my seven subjects at once or my five subjects at once, I'll just put it aside. I'll kung fu it, I'll pucks out and sidestep. Yep. And, um, and I'll take what I can, you know, because I wanted to pass that subject and get to the next one so I can get better and start practicing because that's where I learn. I learn in the practical environment they're doing where we touch and engage and move and talk and feedback yeah so, yeah yeah so de definitely more um, kinesthetic That's as michelle would say yes yes so and you found um if we can touch on briefly an interesting uh call it a loophole which is something that i had uh wanted to do when i was uh studying acupuncture which was to do uh, a course in Mm. Dun, 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 can we talk dun. about it? Well, of course we can. <laughs> uh, a course in, you know, you had already got your diploma in tweener and then using that you were able to do a course in dry needling. Then while you're studying acupuncture, mm -hmm. you had found a way to, you know, mm. in, in a way, um, deliver uh, needling therapy in whatever, yeah. in whichever way you want to call that. Well, it was dry needling. Mm. But um, so because I guess for me, I, I would always do it like even once I finish the course, because it's something we don't touch on as acupuncturists specifically, the way that dry needling's done from the musculoskeletal approach, right? Sure. Um, so I spoke to these guys at Red Coral and spoke about their course and all this, and they send dry needle guys, physiotherapists usually around Australia, and they hold courses. So doing my level one dry needling, which is a three-day course, and it was fantastic. Like it, it, it wasn't like a walkover. There, I've got two manuals, like an inch thick of knowledge, uh, everything's referred to um, trials and studies and things like that. Um, and it was me, a massage therapist, and about 25 physios that were arrogant as fuck, excuse my language. Um, and they're sitting around the room like, what do you do? What do you do? What do you? And they're like, oh, the massage therapist come and do this. I'm like, it's the same thing as you. You're coming in to learn to needle in three days. It's no yeah. difference. You both yeah. do anatomy. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, is dry needling, they tend to avoid... Uh, over thorax, the abdomen things. They don't really go. They do. Oh, really? Yeah. So, ah. so it makes it a little bit safer. So, um, so yeah. They so they tend to do larger muscle groups. It's probably the easiest way to say it. So yeah. Glutes and hamstrings and quads and things like that. You do do trap, but they're like when I showed them how we do traps, mm. they're like, "Oh my goodness, aren't you scared?" I'm like, "Scared of what? I'm pinching. I'm lifting. There's no lung there, mate." Yeah. Um, but it was fantastic, and it helped me learn. It helped me learn a lot, and helped me learn response uh, to action. I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. And also needling my legs probably a hundred times a night for like a year. That probably helped a lot as well. So D doing it on yourself. Yeah. 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 Because you get to understand the different sensations you can experience with yeah. the correct and incorrect place needle. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to have uh, an acupuncturist that has also done dry needling because it's such a heated topic that a lot of us don't even want to go near it. Mm. Um, and I certainly would like to do something like what you have done is go and do a dry needling course so I can actually know uh, exactly what it is that I'm, that people have such a big problem about. 
and um, yeah, and I, I had uh, David Hartman on uh, for um, in the last episode, and we were talking about how there's there's enough business out there for everyone. Yeah, um, I guess I, I've left a lot of acupuncture pages, especially American ones, because it over there it is illegal in some states because they're very different regulations they're board sitting tests and all these things i think it's 32 states you can't dry needle so wow okay um but for me it is say we live in a street there is no difference if an acupuncturist moves in or a dry needler there's still going to be competition yeah it comes down to me comes down to my ability and what i want to have a special interest in Hmm. and focus on and and things like that um so worrying about someone that dry needles is is just silly it's Because they're not worrying out of genuine concern for someone's health. They just feel threatened. Um, Yeah. I I think if that person has done, albeit a a three-day course, if they know their anatomy uh, very well and if they're doing it safely, and if they're doing as what you're saying, which I was surprised to hear, I didn't know they just stay away from areas that are actually um, um, dangerous, then what if it's, you know, it's potentially people are being, you know, they could, they could potentially be getting some form of, uh, healthcare that's going to benefit them that they're not, they don't have access to because, uh, you know, for whatever reasons that we don't like dry needling. Yeah. And, and, and also this progressive courses is level one, level two. Um, they do a podiatry specialized one, uh, and, and things like that. So like it, it, it builds. It's not that you can just rock up and do all of them, hmm. you know. And then, I'm pretty sure the way it works doesn't matter now because we're acupuncturists. Yeah. Pretty sure the way it works for insurance is you have to redo it every two years. Oh, like okay. A, like a health thing for it to be counted as you're actively dry needling. Yeah. Could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it's what the the guy that took the course told us. It could be a sale point. Don't know. Hmm. Um. But yeah, it's not something we should worry about. We should worry about ourselves. Like we should worry about what we do. And what we can deliver and what we can upgrade or benefit. So for when I finished the acupuncture course, because I like the application of dry needling, which let's be honest, is just a trigger response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went and did a motor point course, which is technically dry needling as well. Um, you know, this motor point course run by two acupuncturists, orthopedic acupuncturists from America, fantastic guys, uh, Dan Dominguez and uh, Richard Hazel. Um, they go over, so five days I was there for, so three-day introduction, two-day advanced, and it's going to the motor points, which is innovating the nerve to activate a muscle, uh, which is sort of like dry needling without the dull ache, if that makes sense, and you stimulate it with the pointer, and I enjoy that, and that's that's going to help a lot of acupuncturists too. So is this when you say um, dry needling without the dull ache, you're just aiming for the twitch response, or what's the actual... Uh, no, so, the- so it's like our acupuncturist points at specific locations. Yep. Um, so like, uh, so infraspinalis, um, there's a, there's a point, a specific point under the, the mid border, um, which you put a needle in and you go probably half a sun or five mil or whatever you want to call it. And you stimulate it and it'll cause the shoulder to move. It'll cause the shoulder to come back. You're talking about with a, um, like a, a, yeah, um, a point like an electrical. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the difference is between that and the, the dry needling is that the dry needling you feel at the point, this is you feel the muscle activation. Sure. So it's a little less um, in your face for people that don't like the discomfort of the dry needling because it's not always comfortable. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. And when when you're uh, treating people yourself, do you use a... Are there certain things that you would put, put, would use dry needling or motor point needling or acupuncture mm-hmm. over other things? Or do you just... Like um, how do every you... patient's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, every patient has like their patient protocol, I guess was what you'd call it. So, um, you know, like a smoker comes in and I'm not going to be dry needling him or doing motor points. I'm going to do another protocol with some uh, acupuncture points to help calm him and help with digestion and things like that. Um, athlete comes in, it'd be a combination of tweener, gua sha cupping and probably dry needling because they like that feedback. Yes. They think that if they get a twitch, they've worked out hard, which is fine because they get relief from it it, and it helps them physically and mentally. So every patient's different. It's very rare that people come in for the same, for the same problem and get the exact same treatment, which is also makes it because I get bored easy. It keeps my job entertaining. Yeah, sure. So if I did the same thing for everyone, I think I'd be out of acupuncture pretty quick. I think I would too. (laughs) 
Uh, so you mentioned that you see some pro athletes. You've, you've got a couple of days where you just set that aside just to see them. Yeah, yeah. So how did you, um, what's the story there? Like how do you get in contact with people like this? Like is it, how did you build that? Um, so prior to the, the gym being a part of my business, I used to get a lot of coaches referring their clients to me. Uh, when you get your own gym, coaches tend to not like referring you clients um, because I don't know, they're scared you'll take them. Um, but the pro athletes, uh, the first one is actually one of my first massage clients I got at my uh, brick and mortar business. That's Nanda Stoltz. So she's a coach and a pro crossfitter. So she actually just qualified for the open or qualified in the open down to go down south and compete in Australia. Um, so she just walked up to me and asked because I was there. I was handing out my cards in the main part of the gym, getting my face out there because people like to identify who you are. Of course. And um, she came for treatment and she's been seeing me for two years, which is pretty cool. So when she trains for comps, it might be twice a week, uh, but usually it's just once a week for maintenance and whatever she's worked out hard. Like today, she did uh, 800 double unders last Monday. Just passed. Can you tell me what a double under is? So you know when you skip once, you get a, get the rope under twice every hop. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So 1,600 skips, I guess. Yeah. Um, Easy. That was, that was her first workout for that day. Um, so her calves were still sore. So we worked on calves today. Like, you know, we do other things like accessory muscles and things like that. But it's very problem specific for her because that's what she needs to perform and, and do a job. Uh, occasionally, there'd be something nice, nice in there. But thanks, uh, Martin. Um, but... Uh, I think he's going to come on in the next couple of episodes. Exciting. Hey, Martin. Hey, David. Um, so for her, it's very specific. And then the other athlete is um, Katrina Gorey, uh, who's a Matilda player. She's a midfielder. And for her is that she ruptured a tendon in her ankle last year. And so for her, it's a little bit of post that, like working on you know giving her movement through her ankles and helping her calves and, and preventing calcification build up and things like that. And the other thing is she runs a lot, so we have to work on her feet. So it's very different. So she'll get like needling in her quads because she runs and then we'll do a lot of trigger work and manual work around her hips and her feet. Is this the one that I just saw on your stories in the last couple of days? She took pictures of me while I was working? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah it's me getting into a foot. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. Nice. So... For me, that's cool. Like, I enjoy that because for me, acupuncture isn't just the needles. For me, acupuncture is the application of TCM and you primarily use the needles. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Uh, with your, if you're working with accessory muscles and the uh, agonist and antagonist and everything like that, with particularly with your pro athlete patients, do you utilize a lot of traditional channels how do you approach your treatment when you're looking at the muscles compared to where the channels may lead um so the way i'll treat an acupuncture primarily would be channel treating but not like japanese channel treating it's more where they travel and where they connect to and for me a lot of time if you look at nerves that will also reflect the similar pathways um, because as we know if a nerve is impinged and the muscle suffers a little bit and recovery slower and you get higher risk of tendonitis and things like that um so i do look at the channels but the channels are sort of apparent to me so it's not like i have to go searching i can just sort of see if that makes sense and if it comes across properly yeah um so you don't follow uh like a textbook no channel no yeah. no, no no so so like i follow like you know like large intestine where it runs and things like that but um i, I tend not to treat a lot of conditions that are like internal organ sort of thing yeah so yeah. Um, so for, for me, it's, it's very much following it back to where it can come from causation, um, and, and treating both ends of the channel will often happen as well, because that's quite nice. It's effective. You get stimulus down the end and you get a response close to the pain. So, yeah. yeah. So what's your take on the concept of chi and, and that it's application in, you know, with working on the channels and things like that? I, I guess, um, I've thought about I've thought about this many times um, over my years of study. And because and I think Kung Fu as well, and Chi is quite often talked to, but they talk about Chi in Kung Fu more of like your connective energy and how you disperse force. Um, in acupuncture, like the concept of Chi and blood is which one we use in many diagnoses. Mm. Um, for me, Chi is like, so I think of blood is blood circulation. Okay. And Chi for me would be be neurological response 
that's how I see it. Because, hey, that's still electricity, right? That's still energy force. Um, so getting proper neurological response to a condition. So if I touch your feet, you can't feel your feet. Let's figure out why not. Because in TCM, that means that would be a chi stagnation or a blockage or a, a B syndrome or something, a causing. So that's a correlation for me, which I enjoy exploring. Is the right word, I think. Um, is it mystical? Mm, I don't know. It's not, not my, my call. But um, is it there? I, I think so. But I think we just don't fully understand what it is. And I think we need to look a little bit deeper, not look backwards, but look forwards at what qi can be in Chinese medicine, especially yeah. in a Western culture where we have to translate things where it's not necessarily worded as efficiently for us. So, Yeah, what do you think about that when there's... We learn a style of medicine that's been translated from... Uh, a few different languages until it until it got to English and then over decades to then centuries and thousands of years and then we're presented with this concept of qi where the textbooks pretty much say there's no way we can really understand it but we're going to attempt to work with it anyway. Uh, um, I think it's important to understand when we came from. I think it's important to understand the mistakes we've made in everything we do in the past, in all medicines. Um, but I think that if we hold on to a meaning from 2,000 years ago, um, it's like Bible extremists, nothing against religion. Let's put that out there. But it's um, we drive cars. We don't ride horses. We might, but it's recreational, right? Um, we're talking on these electronic devices. We're not holding cones to our ears. It's important to make sure that we understand evolution, what we do, and we don't stick to, this is my opinion, we don't stick to what we were told 2,000 years ago for someone that eats a specific diet, lives in a specific region, and has different psycho-emotional effects in their day-to-day life. So I think as a foundation, it's amazing. But I think as a continuous and a current application, it could be a bit flawed. So wait for the private messages on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, as an example, what, what may have been true for uh, ancient Chinese people several, a couple of millennia ago in China, in potentially... In rice fields. In, in rice fields, yeah. in a, uh, you know, a more damp environment and snowing um, yeah. a great deal of the year as well. I'm not up to date with my geography of China or the weather. Um, but I imagine it's a lot colder than it is over here. Yeah. And, the, you know, where the coldest we may experience is walking into a supermarket and, and the switch to air the milk, conditioner. milk section. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and they those uh, pathologies don't really uh, yeah. translate. That's right. And then also it's diet would be a huge one, right? Like I'm, I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Chinese didn't drink milk, especially 2,000 years ago. If they did, it's probably going to be what, like yak milk or goat milk? Um, and that's a huge part of Western culture's diet. Um, which in Chinese medicine will cause damp and, and, and things like that. So I think adaptation and interpretation need to evolve and, and continue to evolve. Um, otherwise, we're still treating the guy in the rice field 2,000 years ago. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's the least offensive way. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, on the subject of milk, by the way, you are a vegan, right? I am. Yeah. yeah so. I almost passed out walking in your door. <laughs> it's a struggle. It's a lot of, a lot of exercise. Um, yeah, I'm a vegan um, for about five and a half years. It was my one of my epiphanies at the same time, a breakdown. Uh-huh, very yeah, nice. So for, for me, it's uh, it was ethics first. Um, it wasn't to do with the diet. And I got a little, to be honest, I got a little bit disappointed because everyone that goes vegan loses a lot of weight. Not that I'm particularly, not that I'm actually overweight at all, but uh, everyone like seems to lose a bit of weight and get shredded and all these life changes. Everything stayed the same for me. I just wasn't eating animal products anymore. Didn't feel any like change in energy in any... No. 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 So, so like my business partner, for example, so he went vegan about three years ago mm. uh, and partly because I had a goal him because he's... he's Probably the healthiest ever been at 30 years old, but his blood pressure was about 136 over 105 or something like that. So a little bit elevated, especially for a healthy young male. 
And I go, try it. I go, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong and you can rub it in forever. And he took meat and dairy, not that he had a lot of dairy anyway, out of his diet and dropped a little bit. And then he took fish out as well. And it went down consistently about 120-ish, mm. over about 86, 90. And um, yeah, but he lost about six kilos of fat and looks the best he's ever looked. So he's an asshole. Um, but yeah, so so it's for me, it's just ethics. I don't go around killing animals to eat them, so I just don't want to pay someone to do it for me. Um, and then also the like environmental impact things like that. So yeah, I'm glad you brought it up, not me, because vegans always bring up their diet, right? That's true. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of uh, angry vegans out there. Mm. No offense to the vegans. Um, well, now you're going to cop the damn. I know. I am <laughs> waiting for all of them. <laughs> um, but it was interesting being a vegan studying Chinese medicine. Yeah, that would be. Mm. Yeah. No one believed me for the first whole year because I'm a very serious guy all the time, and we uh, had a break up or break up lunch at the old um, Caxton. No, what's it called? Paddo Paddo Tavern. No, what's the Wickham? The Wickham. They yeah. got there eventually. Went through the pubs. Yeah. Um, and uh, they go, oh, what are you going to eat? And go, oh, a bowl of chips. And they're like, oh, there's pizza. And I go, guys, I can't eat anything. Go, what do you mean? Go, I'm vegan. They're like, oh, you're serious. I'm like, no, I just joked for 12 months at uni that I was. So, yeah. So, we don't all look weird. Just some of us. Well, it was... Um, I was somewhat surprised. I mean, I, I'm very well, uh, well aware of the fact that you don't need meat to to Mm. live and and but i have to admit at first i was like wow it's that's um quite a a build for someone who's a vegan and it's then you just think well that's the that's the typical stereotype isn't it yeah that's why i also treat shirtless is so you guys can appreciate Ah, that one i see (laughs) fantastic um yeah i let's be honest like taking it down to basics at the end of the day it's calories what we eat is, is how many calories we're going to eat, is the size we're going to be or maintain or lose our weight. We don't eat enough calories, we'll waste away. And there is that small group of people, and this is the Trent theory as well, which I've spoken about many times, that will mask an eating disorder by going vegan because it means you can cut a lot of things out of your food that people can't make you eat. So that there is that exception, and, and you see it, because you and you get to see it in clinic. Um, but then also, like, there's lots of pro athletes going vegan and outperforming their the, the previous results as well so yeah yeah how was the changeover from treating in student clinic because i know you're already treating um massage anyway in your own clinic how was the how did it feel what was the transition from going from student clinic out into the uh, air quotes real world it was amazing yeah loved it um i enjoyed student clinic but then as you know you have to work so hard to fit your diagnosis in the realm of what we're, we're taught and stuff like that. Well, in your clinic, it's your diagnosis, it's your method, your application, your reasoning. And that's also why I have expensive insurances because it's your outcome. Um, but I enjoy being free with the how, the way I treat and, and being so versatile with it. Um, and I, I think it helped me, especially that I already had an established place for a year before I graduated. Um, and we're, we're currently trying to add a few rooms to it. It's just me building some walls. Um, so yeah, so it went, it went really well. It was quite smooth. It was, uh, and I think I, I knew what I was going to do before I it's like started. So for me, I always had that business plan of what I was going to do with what I learned. Yeah. So I don't think it was as bad or as scary as it could have been, but it was exciting. It still hasn't felt like I've graduated yet, mm. but the certificate's in my office. Yeah. So yeah, went all right. Yeah. I, I guess being able, having that, the business experience that you have, from even just an early age, I mean, as a young adult, straight out of school, you're, you're working and then you're managing and then you're owning businesses. As much as you describe that as um, you got to a place where you felt like you weren't fulfilled, as as I understand that seems to be a kind of common theme mm. with people who chase money mm. uh, or who, who that's just part of their life. They get to a point like yourself where you're like, what's, what's the point of it yeah. all? Uh, but in saying that, when you do have those those breakdowns and realizations and moments of clarity where you figure out, I, I know what to do with my life now, having that experience behind you must just skyrocket you to, you know, to, to the knowledge and the and the uh, the certainty of what to do next. Yeah, it it de- it definitely helped. Um, I'm pretty easygoing guy, but I'm sort of the sort of guy that wants to work for himself as well. So it was never. I was never going to, I might go observe and learn because there's always things to learn. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not arrogant to think that I know 
anywhere near a lot at the moment. I've got that like 1% of the 100% in my brain. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to go work for someone and do their way because that's just wouldn't work with me. It'd be like a cancer, not literally, I apologize. Um, but it, it, it would eat me away. So for me, it has to be on my terms. And I guess that's also comes back because I did that for so long. Like, um, when I had the businesses, I had 60 employees at one stage. So it was a lot to do and, and, and going from that and then, you know, getting direct micromanagement from one person would probably be a little bit not good. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, uh, that's fair enough. Uh, so what's the plan for, uh, balance to you from, from here on in? What's the, what are your goals? What's the development? Where to? Um, so I guess balance you, so we call it a holistic alternative health center. We have quite a lot of names, but basically it's a private studio, uh, where we teach small classes of people get stronger and the studio steals my clients because a lot of people's problems come from not being active. So I think we have about 30 full-time members, um, for our six on one classes. And I think about 18 of them are clients of mine. Um, and they're people that get pain from posture, uh, they get pain from sitting on the couch wrong, all these things because they just don't develop muscles. They, yeah. they, they just, you know, we become our posture because we're in it for so long. We sleep and we work and that's pretty much what we'll become. So if we don't do anything, not saying that an hour of exercise two or three days a week is going to fix it, but it's definitely going to help. Um, so a big focus is education for, for that. It's education, the populace and how to better themselves, mm-hmm. not us better them because they're doing the work. Um, so it's to develop more people being stronger and more people moving and, and, and helping people to, I don't like to say lose weight, but to get stronger. So therefore they can manage their weight better because we've got a, we got a fat society. So, um, as far as the acupuncture goes for it is we're, we're, we're building the two clinic rooms. So we have a bit more of an ambient, nice space, a bit, you know, mood lighting and plants hanging. And then um, probably I've enrolled into another course at uni and uh, to further develop myself uh, scientifically. Mm-hmm. And um, we would like to do more workshops for the general pop. So teaching people, you know, how to couple massage, but not lovey couple massage, how to, how to help your partner that's had a stressful day with some reflexology that's, you know, not like strict, but you can press a couple of points and that's going to help the feet relax because the feet relax, the knees move, the hips move. Um, so education is probably the avenue we're going for, for people, empowerment, education. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, just a side note on the topic of education. I just wanted to imp- uh, put in there for the, the people listening when we're talking about dry needling. Um, obviously, it's a very heated debate, but I think what it comes back down to for us as acupuncture practitioners is because of the way that the legislation is and there's uh, loopholes and all, and all of uh, those different ways that we see it, the prime uh, goal is education to our patients mm. and just making sure that they know the difference between dry needling and acupuncture. And there are those people, as you said, that, that love dry needling. And I have patients like that as well. But... Uh, I have patients that come, like I had someone come to me a couple of weeks ago and she said, I've been getting dry needling, but I want to get acupuncture now. She knew the difference. Yeah. She was, she knew, she wanted, like she knew that, um, dry needling had a specific, um, effect and she wanted to come and get a more long-term, long-term and more mm. relaxed yeah. treatment. Cause it can be very intense. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, and, and I think if, as long as people know the difference between dry needling and acupuncture, I mean, the, the reality is it's, I don't think things are going to, um, change, no. uh, in any time soon. And so there is always going to be this other, uh, element of, of, of practitioners doing a, a version of acupuncture or dry needling, whatever you, medical acupuncture with GPs. I don't see that changing anytime no. soon. In fact, I think that's going to increase even more. Especially for the, the bulk billing GPs. That, exactly right. Yeah, and yeah. and that's what I said before, um, what I meant before when I said it, there's plenty of business for everyone is that we just, as you said, you have to be uh, the best of who you are. Yeah. I mean, if I sit there just being angry about the fact that someone does dry needling, it's just wasting my time. It's all your time. Yeah. yeah. So just like, that's just how it is. And all, all you need to do is just tell people the yeah. same thing. I, I like to... Well, I used to use it. I don't use it as much now because I just tell people what I'm doing at the time. But I used to talk about it in these arguments. I'm like, uh, I think of acupuncture as like a kung fu because I like kung fu. 
and then I think of dry needling as just like a, a form or like in, in a kata out of it, like it's a specific method of, of that acupuncture. I, it, and don't get me wrong, it is different to ashi needling. It's similar but different because it's it's purposeful. It's it's mapped behind you. That that's that's dry needling. Um, For those listening, I've got yeah trigger point no video ref- anymore. referral yeah. referral charts <laughs> up behind me in my clinic. Um, and, and I think there are some advantageous practitioners out there that use the Insta and the YouTubes and and all those sort of thing to to further their dry needling method. And, and there are some cringeworthy things, but saying that there are some cringeworthy acupuncture things that get done. We've seen the well, steel rob down the spine and things like that. So we don't do that, by the way. Neither of us do that. Um, so I, like, like I said, it's, and like you said, it's making people aware of the differences and yeah. being the best practitioner at whatever we do. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Uh, getting back to the courses on offer at Balance to You. Mm. So with your... Um, you also do other functions. I recently came to one of yours where you did a high-intensity training mm. uh, setup, and then followed by a guided meditation, mm. which was a fundraiser at the time. So you also do a lot of functions like that. Yeah, so we we like to help, um, and it's a nice way to get people out. Like we go to the movies and things like that, and that costs a lot of money. We can spend a little bit less of that and come down and do a little bit of exercise and mindfulness, mm. um, and and a little bit of community because. Not everyone there knew each other, but by the end of the workout, it's like they're all best friends. It's the best way to get to know someone. Yeah. Lift a, a tractor tie with them. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So we, we, we aim to do two a year. So um, the start of the year, we did one for my auntie. Uh, so she got diagnosed with ovarian cancer and she spent a lot of time in hospital, which cost her a lot of money. So it's just to help to contribute to that. And then we'll have another one, which is similar end of the year, which would be for Beyond Blue, because obviously from where I've come from, that's something I like to support. Yeah, so, yeah. sure. Do you treat a lot of uh, psycho-emotional conditions in your clinic? Do you focus on that? Do you? Um, no, uh, but when people come in, I don't, I don't dismiss it, if, if that makes sense. So not many people will come in to me for, for stress and anxiety and things like that, but it might be a secondary part of what they're having. They might have stress and anxiety from the day or... But I'll, I'll refer people. I think referral is important. I have a special interest in, in specific things and it's very much uh, acute chronic pain um, because I know what it's like to have a lot of pain and um, sport sport and movement issues. And, and, and that's where also I focus on because I think if we focus and narrow down what we do, we're better at that. If we try to treat everyone, what's the saying? It's a jack of all trades, master, master of none. none. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I think that that's super important. So if someone came in and they just had a bad day, I'll treat them because I know how to. We learn, yeah. Um, but if it was something they want to do long term, I I can help them and I have no problem helping. But if there's someone better at it, I'll pass them to that person. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned before that you started some extra study. Yeah, broke yeah. the news to the wife what's, the other night. So what's the plan? Um, so yeah, it's a diploma in science. So we get to dress up in suits apparently. Uh, no, it's a, it's a diploma in science. Um, so you go to cadaver labs and things like that. I think you, you know the subject. You know the, I do know yeah. the subject. I'm actually doing the yeah. same diploma at the moment. Yeah. I'll be doing anatomy next semester. Yeah, um, so make sure so, you get on that. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to tee up the same subject. I'm very much looking forward to that. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, so well, and, and that's also because it was offered in Endeavour my first year, the Cadaver Lab visit, but they offered the same day of our exams, so didn't get to do that. Um, so for me, it's because I have such a keen interest. I want to understand, and I can't cut open people and look. That's against the law. So I figure I'll go to a place where I can pay a hex debt and, and, and learn it a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully that can bridge me into uh, Masters of Physiotherapy Studies if I still want to do that at the end. Um, I think 12 months of studying will, will decide. So you're going to do the diploma in, in 12 months? Yes. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, I like to take things easy. Of course. Mm, naturally. Um, so, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, a little bit scared because it's different. Someone told me there's like 300 people in the room instead of 30. Uh, but also excited. So, yeah. So it's going to better me as a practitioner and probably better me as a person too. And with that, if, if you decide to go through with the Masters of uh, Physio or the other option, which is Traumatology, traumatology yeah. Mm. So with the, like, what's the, um, okay, say if you got to the end and then you, and you decided to study Physio, mm-hmm. where's in that particular fork of the road, 
and that path? Where do you see yourself at the end of that? What's the... Um, I'd, I'd like to split myself. Um, so I'd like to use uh, acupuncture a couple of days a week on its own, standalone. And obviously, because I've learned stuff, I can do that. And then I'd like to use the physiotherapy part to work on um, sports rehabby sort of conditions, which then once again, I can use the acupuncture in as well. Yeah. It just, um, it, it really bridges what I'm missing in, in my acupuncture life. Um, and I, I think it's important that when we're young, we're not particularly old men, uh, to, to keep learning what we can and have the capacity to. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the other branch of the road, the other dimension that you go into where you do a traumatology degree, what would that result mm. in? Well, the, 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 that's a new one. Uh, so it's pretty new. It's at a Newcastle University. Uh, so there's two routes. One I can't take because I'm not a surgeon. So, yeah. Um, not yet. <laughs> uh, but that's sort of like a pre-post-op cares for surgeries and injuries and stuff like that it's researchy um so it's more knowledge than practicality from from what it looks so it just excites me i like the idea of it um you know i like it's a progression in dealing with sports injuries because unfortunately people end up with surgeries Mm. and um but i think the physiotherapy one's a stronger one because i like doing like touching yeah. so yeah not seem, in a creepy way it seems to be more um you sent me the the degree outline and it and it seems i mean it seems like an amazing mm. uh, outline it almost i almost looked at it and went huh it's, <laughs> and it's interesting because I, the i think two days before um i really like the the techniques of bloodletting and almost as far as um you know i started looking up to see if there was something that I could do that would allow me to do minor surgery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stitching. Uh, like with the the flat acupuncture needles and stuff where you break up the muscle fibers and stuff like that? No, I mean, like if someone came to my surgery, not... Th- I oh, mean, like you suture them up. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that if even that's a possibility. Why would anyone come to an acupuncturist for that? But just, you know... Chinese person, right? Perhaps. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, you know, like you, I have this love of anatomy and I, I enjoy this concept of... Um, yeah, you know, cutting things up and putting things back together in some capacity, only to help people, of course. Yeah, is that why you got that big shed out the back? <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just looking at, at possibilities, and then um, and then you sent me that the degree about mm. the, the traumatology, and I, it's it's interesting where this journey takes us. You know, we start off with going in one direction, and then. If you have the the credentials, you can start branching off into these really niche places. Yeah, I don't see myself stitching people up anytime soon, but it was just a thought. Yeah. Um, but then I, I guess does that? I mean, does that come back to the argument of of a surgeon sitting there going, "Oh, now the acupuncturists yeah. are doing what we're doing," and yeah. then you know, and it's like the same kind of argument. Yeah. Um, I I think if you're clear, you're not trying to steal someone's identity. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to steal a physiotherapist, even though you would be one at the end of the course, but I'm not trying to steal that as identity. I'm just trying to define myself. Yeah. And I think that's something I've always been very clear around through all of the study, through everything. I want to make, I do acupuncture, I want to help people, but at the same time, I want to make money to support my family and and to eventually go on a holiday that's not at a mental hospital. Um, So, and I think that's really important to understand is that, and I think it's something that also a lot of people struggle with is that, you pay a doctor, someone pays a doctor, $77 for eight minutes, okay? They do a lot more study. They do, okay? But that's still significant. So it, it's not unfair to ask for a decent amount of money an hour if you deserve it, if you earn it. So if you're good at what you do and you're well studied or you're just good at what you do, both are fine, then then I think that's the pathway that I'm, I want to do. So I don't want to rip people off. But um, and I'm pretty happy with what I charge now, anyway. Um, but I want to define myself, and I want to stand out amongst my peers. So yeah. What do you think the uh, the reason is for the the differences in pay levels between natural medicine practitioners and um, people uh, like physicians, like physios and GPs and, and things like that? The the more mainstream. There'll be two. One is that. Uh, there are a lot of cash-only alternative therapies out there. Um, neither of us are cash-only, by the way, guys. Uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of cash-only, so it's undeclared income. 
and and, and that that's that's going to be part of it because that's just the way it works. Um, but I think it's also people are just very fearful to ask for what they deserve. Fear, quite simple. Um, people feel insecure, and and that's why I put your price up first. If someone books in with you, they're happy to pay your price. It's plain and simple. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. How do you see the practice of acupuncture progressing uh, over the next few years and into the future? Mm. Um, how, how do I want to see it or how do I see it? Because they can be very two very different things. Well, let's go with how you would like to see it. Um, I, ideally, and, and to be honest, uh, I'd like to see acupuncture from where we study offered as a master at mainstream universities. Um, as a postgrad to a undergrad of science, regardless of the science degree, the same similar way that medicine or physiotherapy and things like that are, that are offered, because then um, you can dive into the acupuncture as acupuncture without stressing and worrying about the other things. You've got your foundation, you've got your anatomy, you've got physiology, you know, you've got your conditions and pathology, all those fun things. They're they're done. They're sorted. You you, you own that. So you're talking about uh, a master's of acupuncture without any TCM? No, no, no. I, I, it's a hard one. Um, no, I still like the TCM. I, I really appreciate TCM. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. It's, it's what we do. Um, I'd like a master narrowed down with some more science in it, um, but not including all the foundation science stuff. Yeah, um, taught more structured. Um, done with placement like most masters generally are like you know you not that you work in old mate's clinic that there's a, a proper like a hospital-esque place where you treat conditions that you will be treating not just a specific socioeconomic sort of treatment which is what we got at uni um the people at uni not all of them but most of them we're not pe- the people we're probably never going to treat because they can't afford the treatment right um so, you know, treating people that are post-surgery specifically, you know, like specializing, um, making it more accepted by default because it's, hey, I did a master of physiotherapy or I did a master of acupuncture, you know, like I did a master of acupuncture QT. Um, and then that gives more credibility. We are a Western culture. Um, it's adaptation. It's not appropriation. Yeah. Um, you know, there's other countries they, they, they do general medicine which is you know from backgrounds of you know middle eastern and and, and greek and things like that um so i think that's important that's, and that goes back to evolution um and i'd like to see it that you know it's probably a little bit hard to get into a little bit streamed more um and obviously the exciting thing is where we can see it going is you can see integration in the hospital with the opioid crisis and things like that so that's not why I talk about a liking pain that's not specifically my area of interest but I think that's amazing I think it's cool where they're talking about teaching nurses application to help people in hospital and things like that and um, I think it's cool to see acupuncture in hospitals for induction labor and, and gynae problems and things like that because it's it's less aggressive um, western medicine is very chop like you said you chop things up got a problem let's break it and chop it and staple it and things like that it doesn't have to be that way so, so you're talking about uh, arming nurses and other practitioners that are at the, at the forefront of Western medicine with the ability to mm. uh, administer acupuncture? Mm. Or bring, much like in a hospital, you have a physiotherapist, you have an acupuncturist. Yeah, so you bring the acupuncturist in as, as it, one and of the... And, and that's, a, that's a job, you know, someone's post-knee pain, you go around and you do to help them recover, yeah. you know. Um, it, it would be very exciting and i think it would be very beneficial to everyone because it would take stress off you know someone being there and administering drugs and then they've got to do more rehab because it's there's studies to prove that you know pre-op and post-op acupuncture will decrease recovery time so decrease means less recovery time yes. yeah. yeah just in case people misunderstood that um so I, I think that's that's what i'd like to see um not that i'm saying i'd want to be in a hospital but i think if we had that, it doesn't become such a voodoo word. I remember being at a barbecue, my friend's 30th, about three years ago, and I was talking to his brother's wife, and she's a teacher, educated lady, and she goes, oh, what do you say? I'm like, acupuncture. She pauses. She looks at me. She goes, you're not Asian. And I go, what do you mean? And she goes, you're not an Asian person. And I go, why would I be an Asian person? I'm very white. And she, she said, well, why would you want to see acupuncture? Because it helps people. 
and that's what it does. Yeah. So yeah. So and that's you know there's what like twenty five hundred registered acupuncturists. Twenty five hundred in uh, Australia. Australia. Yeah. Uh, there's almost f- uh, five thousand. Yeah, and that's not a lot though, right? That's not a lot at all. No. How many how many physios would graduate a year from one like one university? Yeah, that'd be quite a lot. Yeah. So and I think that modernizing the demographic that treats and and, and can use acupuncture, I think, will help a lot as well. Because I don't know about your intake, but there's not a lot of young people. There might be now, but when I was there, the youngest person might have been twenty two. Yeah, it's mostly um, people probably our age and mm. older mm. that are tending to sign up for it yeah, or it, for that type of course. And it's usually like after life-changing events. Yes. So, so a lot of people, I know a lot of the the, the amazing ladies, hello out there, uh, that I studied with um, have a specific interest in gynecological issues. And some of them that's because they've experienced them or their friends experienced it, which I think is awesome because it's the same reason I went to it. It's because I've experienced sports pain. And it's helped me, and I think that's amazing. But I think it would be good to get someone to go, I just want to be an acupuncturist, so I'm going to go study that post-uni. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, as a practitioner yourself, do you um, get a fair uh, amount of exposure to treatment your, like yourself to keep yourself do, going do, through the do, week? Do, do I get treated? Yeah. So I have my own regiment of treating. So mm. anything on my anterior side that I can reach, and it's annoying me, I'll treat. If I get a tight trap, I'll cup it. It needs to get me through. But I get acupuncture once a fortnight. Um, I get uh, chiro once a fortnight. And I get a remedial massage once a fortnight. Yeah. Because people are paying me to get treated to help them. Then it must work, right? Because if I didn't do it, and the amount that I sleep, which is not much, and the amount I've got to move my kids and build pool fences and work out in the gym, I need maintenance too. So I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't get it. Mm. Um, we all need maintenance to variant difference. If maybe we did yoga every morning and a subtle workout and a walk every day, we might not need as much. Um, but my workouts tend to not be too subtle and um, I don't tend to sleep that much. And we know sleep, lack of sleep increases risk of injury. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, upcoming events at Balance to You, what have you, what have you got going on? Um, so the May 13th, we launch a, launch a new uh, membership package, mm-hmm. uh, which is unlimited kettlebell workouts, which, which means a kettlebell workout a day, which is unlimited, sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the idea of this is to get everyone to move for half an hour a day. You'll get stronger because it'll be consistent, structured programming. Um, and you'll get like a little metabolic spike. So you get your fat burning, you're looking good, you have fun swinging with some cool people, swinging kettlebells, guys, keep it clean. Um, so that launch launches the 13th of May. Uh, we're really excited for because that's our, that's our, at our core is kettlebells is what we do. We go on a holiday and Chris quite often will come on family holidays with me. We take a couple of kettlebells, we go hang out by the beach and do a little workout and then relax because yep. it's, you got to move. Uh, Chris is your business partner. Yes. Yeah. Not, not my life partner. Yeah. So and my wife yet. sometimes thinks that it is, but no. Uh, and um, uh, we'll have a charity event uh, November. So I'll be if you be on blue, so I'll probably go up pretty soon. We do a long run in. Um, we try not to flood everyone with charity events, but also we offer value in them. So um, yeah, so something will be up soon. I'll send you a link. Um, and at the moment, we're just having fun, enjoying. We probably have a Burr Tan, um, so she's calmly events. Uh, she does the meditation with goats and, and cats and dogs and stuff. So she'll probably be running a 12-week meditation workshop soon as well. Did, so. did you say goats? And yeah. So she brings goats and cats yeah. to... Yeah. Okay. No, not to us. Oh, no. No, because we don't want goats in the gym. No. Um, no, she, she does a meditation class every Thursday night for our members. Yes. And open to the public as well. But she'll be going to Melbourne to kick up a business there for three months shortly. Um, but when she comes back, we're going to chuck on probably as soon as she gets back a 12-week workshop, which teaches people, once again, it's like empowering things. So you meditate once a week, but you get a workbook and you learn and understand and, and she'll guide you through so then people can understand how beneficial meditation can be in their day-to-day life, their mindfulness. So yeah, But yeah, she does do things like with RSPCA where she gets like kittens for adoption and you'll do your, your meditation and the kittens will climb on you. It's super cute. That sounds amazing. Mm. I don't know how I'd be able to meditate with that going on. but Well, it, actually, they did a study because she always re- re- quotes her Harvard studies about how a 23% increase in endorphins. Or so. I don't know how they measure that. And don't oxytocin as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. When the animals are there for meditation. Yeah. Yeah, don't know. Don't ask me. Don't have no idea how they studied that. But 
that everyone has a drip or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, where can people find you, Trent, on uh, Instagram? Um, so on Instagram, on B2U underscore Trent or Balance to You uh, is, is our business one. And on Facebook, the same name, same tag name. So yeah. So and Website? Uh, balance to you.com. Yeah, yeah. So we kept it all consistent. So it's the number two? I uh, know the word. Oh, T-O. So the word. Yeah. Okay. Like spelling things. All right. Yeah, B2U is the, the number though, so very confusing. All right. Well, either way, I'll put the links on the podcast uh, link on the FIMIA website. Amazing. Um, thanks for coming in, man. Thank you for being so uh, Pleasure. honest with your story and I'm sure it is, uh, it's an inspiration for a lot of people listening and just giving us your story from the, from the beginning to, to where you are now and where you hope to go in the future. I think a lot of people, particularly those who are studying at the moment, may not have, um, may not have full direction as, as to where they're going and maybe are a little bit worried about what comes next after. Uh, yeah. I know I certainly was as much as I maybe didn't admit to it uh so yeah it's it's i know it's a big help for a lot of people so thank you so much for coming on it's my pleasure thank you for having me cheers man